Welcome to Football School. I am your host, Tate Frazier, and joining me is my co-host, Mr. Charlie Hume. And in case you haven't picked up on what we're putting down so far, we are doing a podcast about North Carolina football. And I know what you're saying. Wait, what? North Carolina football? I thought they were a basketball school. Charlie, let the people know we are officially a football school and always have been, at least in our opinion. In our opinion, absolutely. I think you get other people, you get some dissenting views as to whether or not Carolina's been a football <laughs> you mean school state for a long fans. Time. That's what we call dissenting state opinions. Fans. That's yes. right. Yeah. Yeah. Look out, look out for another segment coming soon where we're gonna say one nice thing per episode about state. Yeah, because uh, we, so. we look, we're a public school. We like other fellow public schools. You know, we're we're trying to be kind here on football school. We are men of the people here, I yes. think is what you're trying to say. And, and, so, state, and state is a basketball school, so we, we let them be a basketball school. People forget that. State <laughs> is a basketball school. Uh, and and I, I think really, really and truly what's happening here is what we have is a moment in Carolina's football history that may have been matched before by previous teams and sets mm. of talent and preseason expectations, but there's just something that feels a little bit different about this year. We have the Heisman uh, you could say the front runner, at least a top five in terms of odds, and Sam Howell, yes. a guy that that Mac, Mac Brown's first order of business when he when he came back to Carolina was to flip Sam Howell from Florida State and start yes. this whole thing in motion. And we have real optimism that not only could we win the Coastal Division, not only could we make it to the ACC title game yes. and potentially beat Clemson there. And we've been there. We've been there against Clemson. We had an onside kick. We were at that game. Marquise Williams. We almost did it with Larry Fedora. We were robbed. We, we would have got that outside kid. That was a BS uh, offside call. <laughs> anyway, I digress. And, and if we beat Clemson, we can make it to the college football playoff. Yes. And if you get to the college football playoff, you can win the college football playoff. So all I'm saying is, I know we've won many national championships in basketball. I have a deep mm. respect for the basketball history. I was in school when we won in 09. That was amazing. But I got to say, Tate, I think we're a football school now. <laughs> Well, we love Roy Williams. So once Roy Williams decided to step away from the game, we officially jumped into football school territory. And the last time this happened in North Carolina history, we'll do a history lesson here. So in 1997, Dean Smith, the, the greatest coach in college basketball history, in our opinions and in the opinions of most of the brightest people in the game. Just kidding, Coach K. Don't take that personally. But he said to the world, I'm going to retire. I'm going to step away. I'm going to let Bill Guthridge take over this Final Four team. He deserves uh, to win a championship as a head coach because he has been such a great, you know, important figure in the world of, you know, Carolina basketball. But at the same time, Mac Brown had a top 10 program in 1997. And it was a time when the tide was going to turn to North Carolina being a football school. I was a five-year-old. We were going to the games at Keenan Stadium. And I was talking to, you know, my brother is four years older. He's your age. You guys are best friends. Went to school together at Carolina. We'll talk about that later. But regardless, at the time I was growing up, I, I was a football fan. You know, North Carolina basketball fell off the face of the planet. We go eight and 20. I'm, you know, watching Connor Barth make the kick against Miami. Um, and if you want to go even further back in Carolina, you know, uh, a lure of Carolina football, the first forward pass, Charlie, in all of football's history, North Carolina, we did that first. And granted, it was a fake punt. And and granted, it wasn't a set play where we threw the first pass. But it did happen. We were first. Lawrence Taylor, the greatest sack magician, the man who invented the sack, who made it cool. North Carolina, that was us. My mom went to school. My dad went to school when Lawrence Taylor was at North Carolina and when Michael Jordan was at North Carolina. So we just want to put the credentials out there that we love North Carolina. We believe in North Carolina football, and we've been burned before. For the people at home, they're like, these guys, they're doing a show. They don't even know what they're getting themselves into. We've gotten excited. 2010 LSU, 
We we had Butch Davis. We had 15 NFL future NFL uh, players. I would call them stars. Some people would say that would that would be a stretch. But we had them on our roster at the time, and you and I were at that game, and that was the first time that we have gotten, and that was over a decade ago now. So maybe we start from there and we try to build out, you know, wh- where the hype has been and where we are now in 2021. And, and I think while we're talking about uh, Carolina football Charlies, we have to mention Charlie Choo Choo Justice, yes. proud, proud wearer of the number 22, another amazing feather in our football <laughs> cap. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think what's interesting about this is the perspectives that we're approaching, you know, this team, this program, this school with are, are, are very different. You are born and raised in the state of North Carolina. You are steeped in North Carolinian tradition. Mm. That's an amazing thing. I'm almost a little bit jealous of that. I am from Fresno, California, and yes. I grew up as a big University of Southern California football fan because both my parents met there at graduate school. Yeah. They got me a little Trojan, uh, you know, Traveler, the horse, little Reggie little, you know, Bush, baby. Reggie Love Bush, Reggie baby. Bush. Had the little wind-up Traveler that would play the USC fight song. I was football <laughs> crazy. So when I got into North Carolina and was, you know, eventually went to school there in 2007 to 2011, I, that was the first place I looked. Of course, I knew the basketball program was good, but I was really excited about being a football fan. And my grandfather, also a Chapel Hill grad, yes. first the first piece of Carolina memorabilia he sent me when I got into school is a shirt that I'm actually wearing right now. It's my prized possession, my Carolina football shirt. Yeah, for the people and at home, it's the classic gray vintage Carolina football with the with the NC across the football. It's what you want. You know what I mean? It's it, the it, it best is the shirt. shirt. Yeah. It's the best shirt I think that exists in Carolina uh, memorabilia, <laughs> shirts, merchandise, whatever. So coming at it from that perspective, it's like I wanted this team to be good. I was excited because they just hired Butch Davis. Yes. And so that picks up kind of along the storyline that, that you and I shared together. As Gil, you mentioned your brother uh, is my one of my best friends in the world, and we went to all these games together. And so you were coming along as you were in high school, and we, we were hanging out uh, in, in Chapel Hill as you eventually went there. But – yeah, that first that 2010 LSU season opener where we we had had seen the talent, especially Robert on the defensive Quinn, side of the ball. Quan oh, Sturdivant, Bruce Carter, Deontay Robert, Williams. Robert Quinn like legally should not have been allowed. Well, I guess he legally was not allowed to be on the field <laughs> for a different reason. But I'm I'm saying you, that man was like a six seven six eight ran a four four. Right now, four four. This guy was a missile in human form. I mean, yeah. I, I I would have you know, there's no chance I would have stepped on the same football field as that guy if he had a chance of tackling me. But there were freaks like that all on the defensive Marvin side. Marvin Austin, the, the number one defensive tackle in the country. Yeah. And so here we go. We're going to Atlanta. We're playing LSU. <laughs> we're insulting their fans with with confidence outside the stadium. Yes. And like. Every, not every, but the a, a large majority of the important members of that football team 15. suspended. 15, 15 players. members of that football team. Yes. And while we entered that game with high hopes, we, we lost. I believe the final score of that game was 31 24. Um, and 30 it was to 24, yet, because if Zach Pianalto had, had caught the touchdown pass, we had an extra point to beat LSU, and we had multiple chances down the stretch. And, and the, I think the craziest part of that entire experience was the, the start of the day. Or at the start of the week, really, like you said, we Marvin Austin tweets a Rick Ross lyric, right? We all remember where we were. You know, there, there are tentpole moments in your life. The you know, Fountain people, Blue, that was a, the Fountain Blue tweet, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. Like he's at Club Live. That, that's what Club he said. Live. He's right, at yeah, Club yeah. Live, and uh, but but th- that's like a, a moment I'll never forget in my life because going into the season, 
we're, we had just won in basketball in 2009. Like you said, you were there. My brother, Gil, is there in school. Everyone in my family, when they went to Carolina, they won a title, except for me. Because in 2012, Kinder Marshall's wrist gets broke. We don't want to talk about it. But regardless, we were on top of the world. Harrison Barnes, you know, had, had just committed in the fall, the number one recruit. He had snubbed Coach K and said he's going to go to North Carolina. So we're on top of the world. And going into the football season, we have this amazing spring game. You remember the spring. I think we all went to the spring game. And Butch Davis was promising that next year the spring game was going to be on ESPN, similar to an Alabama, you know, or, or a Florida or Ohio State, one of these top programs. And we were sick. Bryn Renner was the back, was the 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 blue squad quarterback. TJ Yates was the white squad quarterback. Bryn Renner's running all over the field, scrambling, looks like a wide receiver. Before the game against LSU, Kirk Herbstreet, this is one of the most famous moments in college game day history, said that the player of the game was going to be Bryn Renner, our backup quarterback, because he was going to come in and replace TJ Yates. Uh, that did not happen. Bryn Renner did not become the superstar that we all thought he was going to be. But I'm just saying, that's where the hype was. And I feel like this year the hype is at the same level because I'm watching the CBS Sports, you know, college football preseason show, and B.J. Jones uh, does his his Final Four prediction. North Carolina is in his Final Four. Uh, and then he had North Carolina playing Georgia in the national championship game. These are all predictions. These are all uh, obviously overhyped sensations about what's going to happen during the season. But at the same time, Carolina football is in the conversation. And, and that's what it was in 2010. We were actually in the conversation. We had an SEC school that was, I think they were favored by one and a half points with 15 of our players out. <laughs> you know what I mean? We, we, were, we were on top of the world, or so we thought at the time. So we've been kicked down before. So for the people at home that are worried that, you know, this season's not going to go so well, you know, playing Virginia Tech, you know, on the road in the first game, how can you be a football school if you lose? Don't worry. We've been kicked down before. We've seen worse. And we believe now because Mac is back. We didn't have Mac last time. Now we have Mac. We had Butch Davis who was close to Mac. But now we have the originator. And we have the realest one in the game. And the only other coach who knows how to win a national championship outside of Dabo. And we believe. That's all That's all we're trying to say. That, that is, that's the great thing about repeatedly getting kicked to the curb, at least in the football sense, for you know <laughs> the large, if not entire part of my fandom until Mac Brown arrived for his second tenure here. Is that, you know what, after a while... It gets kind of comfy down there. You yeah. know, you can set up a little, you know, tent down there, roll out a little sleeping bag. You're like, I get it. I get where my place is in this whole thing. It's to get everybody's hopes up every year. <laughs> and then, you know, inevitably something happens that's, that's disastrous ahead of the first game. And then the entire season, you're trying to claw back to get to where you were or whatever. And, and, and honestly, we've shared a lot of those memories. We, you know, 2010 LSU opener. I remember yep. having a similar amount of irrational conf confidence before the 2016 opener against Georgia. Yes. And, and 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 we and then you know we went to the uh, the 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 ACC championship game that we've already mentioned against Clemson. Same sort of rational confidence. And so when when you and I once again uh, not learning from our lessons, we're we're are, you know bringing our heart right back again to get broken before the 2019 opener uh, against South Carolina in Charlotte. I yes. think we were both obviously optimistic as we always are, but there was something inside all of our hearts that said. There's a very good chance that this ends in disaster once again, and we're looking for a new coach in a couple years. And that's Carolina football, right? But something happened that day. Magic. That magic happened that day. It does yeah. not happen often in a Carolina football context. And, and that magic, I think, was largely due to uh, Sam Howe. That, that, was, that was the day that Sam Howe said to the world, I am who you thought I was. 
You know, I am him. As the kid, as Michael Beasley would say, I am him. And he was making magic happen. I mean, we remember the pass where, I mean, it basically was a, a, a duck throw that just goes through the hands of a South Carolina defender that leads to a first down tiptoe on the sideline. And you and I, we're going insane in the stands. We're, we're at Bank of America Stadium. But it was the first time that you felt like you could believe in something again, right? I mean, that that was the that was like it would be like if we saw Santa Claus on the street. You're like, wait a second, he is real. I, <laughs> well, I believe. And, and the, I mean, I, I, not that people forget it. I think if you go back and look at it, you see like the first three quarters were not so hot for no. Sam, and we're, and we're and I think Jace Ruder got a series in there. You know, yeah. there was kind of seeing what worked, but then. Fourth quarter came around, and we didn't know about fourth quarter Howell at that point in time, yeah. but boy, do we know now. And he threw two perfect balls for touchdowns to, to different different corners of the end zone that, that pushed us to the victory that day. And I don't think – I mean, we've experienced a lot of things, including winning the 09 National Championship. Like, there are very few Carolina sporting days that rank as high as that day does because of everything that it represents now in retrospect for yes. this football program. And the fact that we are now, and it's going to make people angry, and they're going to yell us, you're not a football school. Well, guess what? That's that's what we're doing right now. <laughs> we're, we're a football school, and if you don't like it, please complain to us. I would love to hear it. Yes, please uh, reach out to us. Let us know why we are not a football school. And you mentioned, you know, 2009. We were there for 2017. when 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 You were there for 2016 with my brother. You were That's there. Right. Uh, I think you almost got in a fight with Scottie Pippen after that game. Uh <laughs> I did. I did. I yelled some things to Scottie Pippen that uh, it was a heat of the moment situation. Uh, so, Scotty, if you're listening, I'm sure you are. I'm really sorry about that. Well, I, I do a show with BJ Armstrong, and I remember telling him that. He was like, that's hilarious. Like, just thinking about, he was like, thinking about Scotty leaving a North Carolina game where Scotty's obviously pulling for Villanova, you know, against Michael, you know? So, it's just. Uh, it's, it's just a great time. Some, but something had to be said. Something had to be said. That's exactly. all I got to say. Right and then 2017, we come back. We get redemption. Isaiah Hicks from Oxford, North Carolina hits the shot. Um, we were there. It was a beautiful moment. Uh, we were celebrating afterwards with, you know, good friend Sean Stout, Sean Dwyer, all, the, all these former managers that are, you know, in our orbit and Danny Green and all that. You know, it was just a beautiful Carolina basketball moment. But it did, and, and I don't want to say, you know, anything poor about our basketball team because I love our basketball team. I cover it professionally, but – it did feel like a summation moment, right? It, it felt like we we were we were celebrating like this beautiful full circle moment of Roy Williams, Dean Smith, Carolina basketball. We we did it. We got back to the mountaintop. He won three. Um, you know that's more than Dean. He's going to be remembered forever and revered forever. He's going to be go down as one of the greatest coaches of all time. But it was it was the curtain call for Roy. And it was beautiful. In 2019, we were a number one seed. We had Kobe White. We had Cam Johnson. We had a great run. Uh, Bruce Pearl cheated and beat us. You know, we all remember. But, <laughs> but, yeah. but we all remember. We all remember that. We way. all remember right. that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. anyways, we we go back from there, and I think that was when the real pivot happened, right around 2019. And we we come. We have Mac Brown. We beat South Carolina, who. To me, South Carolina is one of my biggest rivals. Like I hate South Carolina, and and I think that they would appreciate that. They 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 should hate us. We we are both Carolina. What does your shirt say? Carolina football. What do they think they are? Carolina football. It, it is a it is the, like you know how the word culture has two different definitions depending on on the the crowd. You know, like a Bill Belichick culture versus a Migos culture. Carolina football has two different variations, and that's what we have yeah. to fight over. And, and that's they, what I mean by football school because we're gonna have that argument with them, and that's good. And they just, just so we can, you know, get this on the record right now, they are SCAR. They're not USC. <laughs> they're, they're not Carolina. They're, they're SCAR. Um, they, I think to me, like, it, that's a great kind of juxtaposition between the basketball program and the football program. Because, of course, we love the basketball program, and it's steeped in tradition. We won numerous national titles, and, and that's, uh, you know, 
maybe the, the most visible and obvious thing about the school when people think about North Carolina, especially because of Michael Jordan. But there is a level of sort of expectation or assumption that comes with that and the, and the way that it's been for years to where the cycle we're currently in with Carolina football, you, you don't get this as a fan often. Mm-hmm. And, and we're, we're actually kind of at the end of it when you think about the way this, this program should theoretically continue to trend forward and reach a point where there are consistent expectations. But yes. we're like we're like the Warriors pre-Kevin Durant coming off the Monte exactly. Ellis years yes. with Steph Curry that people like, you we're, know. We're 2013, 2014 Warriors. And it's like Steph Curry's the guy that, you know, before everyone knows him as the greatest shooter of all time, they're, they're still learning about him. He's a guy that has bad ankles and signed a four-year, $44 million contract. Which was and a bad was, deal. Everyone's like, it's a bad deal. Why would you ever, why would you ever <laughs> sign him to this? But then, you know, you kind of look at Sam Howell the first couple of years where, you know, you're saying things like he's the best quarterback in the ACC. If not, I mean, that that was my homer take. But it's like it's Trevor Lawrence and then it's Sam Howell. People are like, you're insane. You're like, no, dude, watch him play. He's amazing. Yeah. And, and we're finally getting the payoff of that. And so that's why I think this year is so special and so important is that we get to see everything after this, I think, comes laden with a little more expectation. And we probably lose Sam. But this is the culmination of a cycle that no one expected us to have. Yeah. And yet we're here and you go down the schedule this year and you look at game by game and you're like, if things go the way we hope they go, we should win every single one of those games and give ourselves a, ch- a chance to, to win the Coastal and win the ACC championship and make it the college football playoff. Like, if you told me after we'd struck out on Cliff Kingsbury and Graham Harrell and we were hiring Mac Brown back in 20, 2018 winter, yeah. if you told me we'd be here now, I'd be like, you are insane. There is no chance. And, and yet, here we are. It's and, amazing. It's an amazing thing. And Mac Brown was supposed to, I mean, most people, you know, kind of assume that Mac Brown wanted to come back to North Carolina. He loved Chapel Hill so much. His wife, obviously, you know, Sally loved Chapel Hill too. And there was this feeling that he wanted to come back in some capacity. And a lot of people thought it would be an athletic director role or like some administrative role. So the fact that Mac Brown came back as the head football coach, got great coordinators, put them in positions to succeed, and then has basically been the CEO, which what what was Butch Davis so good at? A lot of people were like, why do you like Butch Davis so much? It was a CEO. I mean, all the players, like, I remember Mywan Jackson telling me that he was the godfather. You know, he was De Niro. And, and you know, the, that that is what you need in college football. You need someone that's like a head honcho like that. And Mac Brown is that guy, and it's genuine. He's always been that guy. He's always had the right answer. And if you look at Texas football, I mean, Marcel Darius killed Texas football in the same way that we killed Florida State football, you know, with Nick Weiler's kick and by taking Sam Howell away. You know, like there are these moments in in football where like a program, like they they come together, they collide, and then both go their separate ways. And and you figure out where they go. Texas went off the wayside. Mac Brown had been, you know, too good for too long. He was only bringing in five stars. And as we all know, sometimes five stars are divas and five stars aren't necessarily the blue collar grit and grind type guys that you might need to win a football game. And that that kind of chip edge, whatever you want to call it, was lost. But now Mac Brown gets to come back to the underdog, a sleeping giant, gets to live with that chip, get, gets to go back to a familiar territory where he knows the Tidewater area. He knows how to recruit Virginia. Dre Bly is, is the perfect guy to recruit that area and to recruit Charlotte and you have this machine and you got guys like AJ blue, who you and I both know. And AJ blue is everything that is good about 
college football, everything that's good about people, to be quite honest with you. And, and the, 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 for he went from being like an athlete that could play quarterback, linebacker, running back, wide receiver, uh, to, to running our strength and conditioning program and just being a, a resource, a valued resource on this team. And it creates an environment. It creates an atmosphere. It creates a, a place that people want to be. And then you throw in the Jordan brand. And we're on a different level. I mean, the fact that Michigan got it before us, I hate Derek Jeter for that, but I also respect Derek Jeter for that. But we still got our jump, man, and, and Jordan Brand is the brand. Like, every school is trying to go Jordan Brand because that's what the kids like. And we got it, and we are that. Like, there, there's no faking around it. It's not like we're Oklahoma and we have Jordan Brand or we're UCLA with Jordan Brand or we're Georgetown with Jordan Brand or Marquette with Jordan Brand or Florida with Jordan Brand. No, we are Jordan. Like, we are not Jordan Brand. We are Jordan. And you can come play with us, and you have the best college town around, in our opinion, and you have a beautiful stadium. You have an amazing coach who's going to put you in the right positions forever. And we're going to have Michael Lombardi uh, later on the show tell us a little bit about Mac Brown um, and, and let you guys know why he is such a great guy. But th that's why we're so excited. I, I could ramble on all day, but that, that's sort of the impetus of the show, right? I mean, that we, we are fired up because we believe in Mac Brown and Carolina football again. And it's been 20 years, at least for me, or more than that. Now I was five years old, so 1997. The last time that I, I really, really believed in something because of Mac Brown. And he left us for Ricky Williams, you know, to win the Heisman. So we can't be mad at him. And he also won a championship. So it's all well, good. And, and I think what's what's part of that is that um, I was watching uh, ACC Network did this this thing called Road Trip where they profile each of the ACC programs. And shout, by the way, shout out to Rob Christensen, a.k.a. Dr. Rob, for putting yeah. me on that because that was a good watch. <laughs> And I, I, I think it was it was interesting. I went and kind of like, oh, this is kind of be kind of a puff piece profile, but the, I, there were a lot of kind of interesting things that came out of it. They sat down with Mac. They sat down with our athletic director, Bubba Cunningham. They talked to some of the Love players. Bubba. Love Bubba. And I thought that the, the two things that, that actually stood out to me the most were, um, were, were things that were less high profile, that were, were kind of like fillers. Like they talked to four guys who'd played for Mac before North Carolina or, or various stops, who'd come back to be on his staff in some capacity. They're asking him about what do you see that's kind of different about Mac or what's changed about Mac since last time around, and it they 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 all kind of said like he just seems more like confident or at peace or just assured in himself like like in a sense it, it was it's kind of good that he left went to Texas became this national championship winning coach a guy who established himself as a recruiter of the best talent and a, and a coacher of the best teams and so he doesn't need to do anything else with his life. But he decided to come back because he loves this place and he loves this university. Yeah. And so there's no real pressure. So I think that frees you up to there's a lot less ego involved. He's more than willing to be the CEO and delegate to guys like Bill Longo and Jay Bateman. Um, and, and, and I just think that that creates a, a much healthier environment in terms of you know relating to your to the guys on your staff, relating to your players. So I think that's been a, a huge, huge thing for the development of this program in sort of a healthy way. And I think secondarily, they had some of the guys on the team tour the cameras through the facility and everybody's eyes lit up the most when they got to the jordan wall they're talking about all all their jordans you know <laughs> these are my favorites and I, you know, I got this pair that i wear all the time and yeah. it seems like such a simple and silly thing like i remember being i was at that carolina duke basketball game where coach fedora and mj up at halftime yes and jake was famous. i was at that game also what a great Sit, time i think yeah. where we oh we were sitting we were sitting you were sitting with gil section. i think but i was with my parents yeah exactly fun fact uh i zoomed in 
uh, on uh, Sam Howe, who, who was sitting courtside. Oh, no, no, that was that was later. That was later. That was actually later. I'm mixing up my uh, – as you can see, I go to Carolina basketball games. I'm really there for the Carolina football <laughs> yeah, tickets. But at a later Carolina basketball game, I zoomed in on Sam Howe wearing some John Lennon glasses, took a picture of him, put it on Instagram, and he reposted that. So uh, that's just – that's we'll, we'll tuck that away. That will be a story for a further podcast. But at that game, I remember MJ giving the famous ceiling is the roof speech. And I'm thinking, like, hey, look, this could go one of two ways. Like, it's either crashes and burns, we embarrass the 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 you know the Jordan brand and, and the, the, the the logo, and they they take it off the jersey in four years because our Carolina football program is awful, or that we become a real destination and a selling point for these kids. And I, I think that it might seem simple to a lot of people, but I mean. You come in that place, and, and you know now they're doing more and more to showcase the fact that look at all these guys we put in the league, look at the pedigree of coaches we have here. Yeah. You know, Mac Brown having won national championship, and look at all this cool stuff we have too. And by the way, you can come in and have all this stuff, learn from all these guys, have a chance to make the league, but you could put your own stamp on the program. You could be a legend. Yeah. You know, like Clemson, Alabama. There's a zillion other guys. You could be one of the guys. And, wh- and what do we say? Started. It's a 40-year deal, not a four-year deal. You it's know what a I mean? 40-year. It's a 40-year decision, <laughs> not a four-year decision. And they say, do you want to be the one? And they say, you know what? I want to be the one. And so here, here we are, man. I, I, I could not be happier. I could not be more excited. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think we got, you know, we, 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 that, that's a pretty, it's a pretty good summation for both of us of how we arrived at this point. And, uh, you know, l- let's dig into it with uh, Mike Lombardi, huh? Like we said, like Mike Lombardi was my old co-host on GM Street. He is a guy that has worked with Bill Belichick. He's a guy that has worked with, you know, basically every top flight, you know, organization at some sort of capacity, whether it be a consultant, whatever it is. He also loves Chapel Hill. He loves recruiting players from Chapel Hill. We're going to get him to tell some of those stories, and let's go to Lombardi now. All right, before we get to Lombardi, we're going to take a quick break here to pay homage to the Bojangles Chicken Sandwich, the brand-new Bojangles Chicken Sandwich. And, Charlie, you're going to give a taste of that Bojangles Chicken Sandwich right now. Again, it is hand-breaded. It is marinated in Bojangles Bold Seasoning with buttermilk coating. The the flavor is uh, in this beautiful marinade. If you've never had Bojangles before, you've never been to North Carolina, you should go there, have a beautiful tailgate. Charlie's going to take a bite. Yeah, I, I please. If I could, if I could just jump in here, Blue, before I have a sandwich, I am very invested in the fried yes. chicken sandwich wars, and I also am very invested in Bojangles and the many products they offer. Like I am a big time Cajun fillet biscuit guy with the uh, the dirty yeah. rice and the Cajun pintos. So this is this is a new venture for me, and I'm excited to try it. So you go on ahead, and I'm well, gonna I'm, I'm take a four piece chicken supreme guy. You know, you get your fries, you get your honey mustard, you get your sweet tea. I mean, it's the classic combo. After every soccer game I had in high school, after every pretty much sporting event I've had my entire life, I would go get Bojangles afterwards because you know I grew up in North Carolina. Charlie takes his first bite. My question for you, Charlie, how good is it, dude? There, there is about to be a serious wow. reconfiguration of the rankings because I'm already tasting. The Cajun spices, I mean, I'm reading the inside of this box, and they're talking about all the things, the secret blend of bold spices. This sandwich is better than Wendy's. Wow. Better than Chick-fil-A. I'm about to say it. Oh, my goodness. It's better than Popeye's. This is what you like to hear. This is is the new spicy chicken sandwich, reigning champion of the chicken sandwich wars. No exaggeration, and this isn't even (laughs) warm anymore. I have to go get another one when it's yeah. warm. This is incredible. The bun, oh. the bun is soft. The mayo is delicious, and the spices are on point. And the chicken is the chicken's fresh. It's 
It's everything it's you Bojangles can hope for. It's Bojangles is fresh. Sandwich. It's crispy. It's crunchy. It's craveable. It is the new Bojangles chicken sandwich. Charlie Hume can confirm it is good. I can confirm it is good. And we now have a very good guest coming up. His name is Michael Lombardi. Let's get to it. And now joining us, a man who needs no introduction, but I'll give him one anyway. He is the host, or the he was the former co-host with me back in the day, uh, GM Street. Uh, but now he is the host of GM Shuffle. He is the man who wrote the book Gridiron Genius. He is the man who runs the Daily Coach, and he is a great football mind and a great friend. He is Mr. Michael Lombardi. Lombardi, welcome to Football School. It is so good to be here, Tate <laughs> Frazier. I'm so happy to be reunited at last again. I missed our time together, and uh, anything you need me to do, you know I'm always going to be there for you. I love it. I love it too. And I just wanted to talk football, Lombardi. I miss yeah, talking football. You were the guy that, uh, you know, kind of gave me game. You know, you taught me about what was going on in the NFL, what was happening in the football world. And right now I'm very excited, Lombardi, because North Carolina football is ranked yeah. in the top 10 for the first time since 1997, back when Mac Brown was, you know, a young man coaching at North Carolina. Um, can, can you just talk to me? Can, can you help me get even more excited, Lombardi? How do you feel about North Carolina? Are you keeping up with the North Carolina Tar Heel football program? And you and I always joke that Mac Brown was always about five stars. Yeah, we got we got a lot of five stars uh, in this program right now, and it's very exciting. Well, I think what Mac has done, you know, what Mac has been able to do for North Carolina is bring them the 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 popularity that they deserve. Right. Yeah. Like if you were to write down 10 schools that you want to go to anywhere in the country, North Carolina is going to be in the top five. I mean, it's an amazing campus. The women are beautiful. You know, <laughs> it's the weather's good. You know, like it, it meets every criteria of any high school athlete would want. Right. Yes. And so. I, the, going back, I think it was 92, something like that. Belichick and I were working in Cleveland and, and it was miserable, right? It was horrible. The weather was cold and we're, and we're getting ready to, and this is when we were on beta camp tape. So we weren't on digital yeah. video. So we're like, let's just go to Chapel Hill and we'll, we'll bunker down there. We can go see Duke, you know? So we go down there with our tape machines and rent, rent, rent a couple suites at the Chapel Hill Inn and, and we start watching football, all the football from North Carolina State, all that. And we just basically work on the draft right there. We set up like a, a, a southern office down there. And we were on the campus and we're like, how in the hell did Dick Crum ever go 0-11 here? Like, seriously. Like, that's got to be on the, the the greatest achievements. Of all. Like, this is a place. And I, so what I used to call North Carolina, I used to call North Carolina a desk in a phone school. Mm. So all you needed was a desk with a phone on it and you were going to get kids to come there. Right. <laughs> and Mac and Mac has done it better than anybody. I mean, it's one of the greatest schools in the in college sports. And I don't want to hear this bullshit. Well, they're a basketball school. There's no such thing as basketball only schools. We live in, you know, we live. I mean, I can watch Australian rules football from my table here. You know, it's yep. like, give me a break. Right. So. Like, I love that North Carolina, the Tar Heels are back. I, I love it. I mean, I was I wanted my son, Matthew, to go to school there. I couldn't get him in. I tried to pull every string I could. I couldn't get him in. That's how much I love the Tar Heels. Well, if Mac Brown was coaching at that time, he would have got him in, I think, Coach. I think, he, I, I think Mac, Mac would have been would have been good. I mean, I sent him a copy of Gridiron Genius. He wrote me a nice note back. I mean, Ugh. Mac is truly an ambassador of football. I mean, Mac Agreed. may not be able to sit in there and talk about zero blitz. He might not be able to talk about odd floater and how to handle that. that and that's fine because what he brings to the table is this ability 
to sell a brand. And North mm. Carolina is a great brand to sell. Mm. Well, so, so I'm curious about that specifically because you started your career as a recruiting coordinator at UNLV. And so, you know, obviously things have changed since the 1980s. But when you look at specifically the last, you know, since Mac took the job and, and at the end of 2018, the recruiting success that he's had, he and his staff have had, he, he and his staff have had, what stands out to you is the things that you feel like they've done a good job of doing or, or, or the types of players they've targeted? Well, the number one thing they did, which is all programs have to do, which is what you have to do in North Carolina, is you got to pick the right quarterback, right? Like yep. every success story in college sports always starts and ends with the guy who plays under center. And they go get Sam Howe. I think they were one of the they, – they got laid in on – Sam Howe wasn't going to North Carolina. I think they came in late and they got him and, and they turned it around. And so – uh, you know, when you watch, I was just at the University of Arizona uh, doing some work with them, and we put Sam Howe's high school tape on it. It was like, whoa, this is really good shit, you know? But he turned it around. And so, you know, he put a premium on getting a pro passer, right? Mm -hmm. He didn't want to get an option quarterback or a veer quarterback. He got a pro passer in there. And I'm sure Drake May, the freshman that he just signed, yes. is probably a great passer too. I, I've never watched Drake May play, but I'm sure he's five-star and he can throw it because Sam's going to leave. So he built his program on that, right? I need a quarterback, and then everything else I can go get. I'm going to get, you know, when we were down there on that campus, like they used to say, like, you can get all – you can get linemen from the hills. You can get the skill from the beaches. And if you go into Virginia in the Tidewater area, you can get anybody you want from there. It's mm. one of the great recruiting bases in the world. Mm. Mm. And, and when I mean, you I'm, an, I'm an ambassador to the program. I should be selling the program. Give me that Let's desk. Let's get you on staff. <laughs> Give me the desk and the phone. I'll go be the. I would be the recruiting coordinator. If they'd offer me that job, I'd leave all these jobs I'd have. I'd go do that one. I, I'd well, get you some players, wow. too. I, I'm, I'm all in for that, Lombardi, because that's what I'm about. And when you think about it, you know, as you kind of look at the landscape of North Carolina, you're right. I mean, we, we have the, the Asheville's of the world. You know, you go up to the Appalachian Mountains and you go get your offensive linemen and then you go up to the Tidewater area. And that's what North Carolina is doing right now. I mean, we're recruiting that Hampton, Virginia, Newport News. I mean, the place where Ronald Curry, Michael Vick, all the Allen Iverson, all those guys are. They're, they're now wanting to come and play football in North Carolina, and that's that's a new that's a new phenomenon that uh, it happened late in the 1990s, and now it's happening again. And I think you know, let's not lose sight of it. You know, it's a great academic school too. I mean, yeah. it's hard to get into for out of state kids. Now, if you're an athlete, it's a lot easier. But it's a great academic school. It's got great tradition. And it, you know, and so it, it, it's in a conference where you should be able to compete with Clemson shouldn't be that much better than you remember. There was a time where Clemson was struggling, too, and it yep. took Dabo's ability to turn that corner and become a national recruiting program. North Carolina is a national you, you put, you know, if you're a if you're a recruiter, if you're the recruiting coordinator, of North Carolina, you put your card. You can beat anybody. Who, who can't you beat? like mm. Alabama? Why can't we beat Alabama for a kid? Why can't we beat? you know, anybody in the, in the Southeast conference for a kid. So also Lombardi, uh, Drake may that quarterback you talked about, he was committed to Alabama, five-star kid from Charlotte committed to Alabama. He's also Luke May's brother. So I think North Carolina had like a little bit of an in with him, but he was going to go be the Alabama quarterback. And then he picks Carolina, you know, at the 11th hour. And all it really takes is, and one thing I've, it, it takes if in Mac, this is where I think get Max an advantage. And even though Max older, Mac loves recruiting. Like yeah. Mac loves to recruit. Mac loves to sell. And, and if you can do that and you have good coaches on your staff, like Jay Bateman, I thought it was a great hire. You know, he didn't even know Jay Bateman, but I watched Army mm. that year. Jay Bateman was a defense coordinator. I mean, I thought I, I, I was on Twitter. I started following him because I thought that highly of what he was doing. 
you know? And so for me, like, not that I have all the answers, but I think when someone can impress you like that, you really feel like, and that was a great hire. And so he's done yeah. that. And I, and I think, look, this is a program that should be in the top 10 every year. I'm curious to go back to something you were talking about watching Sam Howell's high school film because that was really the first big splash Mac made flipping him from Florida State. Um, but you know when they did flip him, he was he was a four-star recruit. He was a six-rated quarterback in his class, so we knew he had talent, but it wasn't necessarily like this guy's going to be a world beater when he shows up. So, given the tape you watched from him in high school and what you've seen in his first two seasons at Carolina. Like how much of that do you think is talent or intangibles that got overlooked and how much is, is good coaching from Mac, from Phil Longo, from other guys on that staff? Well, I think that's a crib thing with, Phil, with, with, with Sam Howe. The first game I saw on Sam Howe when he was a freshman, I was like, wow, that kid's really good. Mm-hmm. So when his mama lifted him from the crib, he had it. Like he was a quarterback. There's an instinct to play quarterback, right? You just don't become a quarterback. You know, it, it's a little bit the problem I have with Mitchell Trubisky. You know, at MVP Mitch in North Carolina. I mean, let's <laughs> the, go through the, the MVP, the the Nick, the Nick most valuable player. Yeah, I mean, so let's go through Mitch, and I don't want to kill Mitch here on a North Carolina pod, but <laughs> but you know, when North Carolina took Mitch, he played. He was a he played in Ohio at Mentor. Yep. And he was Mister Ohio. Yet Ohio State didn't offer him. That, that's a that's a red flag. Mm-hmm. They offered. They wanted him to play free safety. So he comes to North Carolina and he doesn't play right away. Another red flag, mm-hmm. you know, and then he plays his senior year, 13 games. Yes. He was athletic. Yes. He had a big arm, but he didn't have, he didn't really have great intangibles. That crib thing I'm talking about. How has that crib thing? You can see it, you know? And so he comes on and it just comes natural to him. There's a sense of rhythm and timing that goes with playing the position that is hard to find, and he had it. And you could see it on his high school tape. I mean, we I was at Arizona. We went through all these high school kids from years ago, going back to Baker Mayfield. Going, I mean, it was the greatest learning lesson for me of all time. And all of them, you could see it on their high school tape. They have those intangibles, that instinct to make a throw when the guy's really not open, they can make it. And how did that? Mac Jones was great at it. And you, you talk about, you know, North Carolina football uh, in general. And as we kind of, you know, look ahead, Lombardi, I wanted to play a game that you and I used to play, which was Guess the Narratives. Uh, yeah. and, I, and I wanted to see if you could guess some narrative. Not even – doesn't even have to be North Carolina related, but just kind of college football um, at large. Are, are there any major narratives that you kind of as – we, as we look ahead to this season? I've seen a lot of people say they don't, you know, expect Alabama to necessarily repeat this year. But is there is there one team, one program, one, you know, kind of ideology that you look at and you say – I, I think this might be the narrative this season in college football. Well, I mean, I think whoever wins the Georgia Clemson game, that that's going to be the narrative from that's going to be the national championship, right? Yeah. I mean, and if Georgia doesn't win, Kirby Smart's narrative is always going to be he can't win the big game, right? Yeah. I mean, it was the same narrative we had with 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 uh, with uh, uh, the former coach down there, Mark Mark, Mark Rick. Rick. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, everybody said Georgia's this really talented team. They're really not well coached. They bring Kirby in, and now we still have the same narrative. They're a really smart team. They're not really well coached. But I think the I think the narrative early in the year is going to be, you know, what is, you know, whoever wins that game, D, DJ, I can't say his last name at Clemson, he'll be the Heisman <laughs> Trophy winner, and Clemson looks like they're just going to ease their way into it. And then I think we'll constantly hear about how the domination of the Southeast Conference is over all these other conferences. And I think that'll be the narrative going through it. 
And then I think the other thing is if 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 these any of these quarterbacks, Spencer Rattler, Sam Howell, when they start to play Clayton Slovis, when they play good, th- then we have the Heisman narrative. Mm. Is is there any world in which Lombardi you see in reality? And I mean, uh, you know, we're talking about narratives, but is there a world in reality where you see Sam Howell holding up the Heisman Trophy? Do you think that that's in the realm? Yeah, of I mean, look, I mean, I don't know, I don't know North Carolina skip, but he if they beat Clemson and they get into the Final Four and he has one of those kind of magical years. Hell yeah. I mean, this kid's, a, I don't see how he's not a high. I mean, they don't give me a vote. I'm obviously not qualified to vote for it, but I mean, like, like I think he would certainly qualify. Well, we got to figure something out. Either you're going to be the recruiting coordinator for Carolina or we're going to get the you job a I want first. Yeah. I, I would rather have that job first. Like I would, I would rather have that job first. And I wouldn't be okay. taking this job. I want this on the record. I would to retire. I'd work my ass off at it, but you know, it, it's you, and, you and Mac would be undefeated. I feel like every five star in North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's fun. I mean, like I was at Arizona, like I love to be the recruiting coordinator at Arizona too. It's like, why can't you win in Arizona? And I yeah, think Jed seriously. Fish will do a great job. I mean, so campus is beautiful. 45,000 students. I mean, you know, it's a great stadium. He'll get that thing turned around. There's and- some places that like, well, I'll tell you a perfect example. I'm a, I'm a young scout at the 49ers. It's 1985. And I'm at, I'm at, Manhattan, Kansas, sitting in the stands, and I'm watching Kansas State practice, and they're god awful, Tate Frazier. They're god awful, right? And I'm thinking, there's no way. I said to myself, there's no way you could ever win here. No way. Uh-huh. There's no way. And then, of course, Bill Snyder proved me wrong. But there's some places, like you say, like North Carolina and Arizona, there's no way you can't win here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So I, I have another, I want to get into the narrative game here. I've got another hypothetical <laughs> for you. Okay. So oh, yeah. Sam, Sam Howell lifts the Heisman Carolina wins the national title. <laughs> Our athletic director, Bubba Cunningham, he decides to ride off in the sunset and recruiting coordinator, Michael Lombardi gets promoted. You're now the UNC athletic director beginning in 2022. Oh, I like okay? this. I like this. So everyone super worried right now about conference realignment with Texas and Oklahoma going to the sec the ACC just, you know, announced that alliance with the Big Ten, the Pac-12. So it, it, you're the AD now. You are you? Do you feel comfortable enough with that alliance to say I'm not going to try to cut any sort of backdoor deals or you know try to work anything out? Or or do you feel like even if it jeopardizes Carolina basketball rivalries, I got to go looking for something better? No, I, if I'm the AD at North Carolina, I'm the prettiest girl in school. Somebody's going to always want to come date me. I don't have to go ask anybody for a date. <laughs> like, I don't have to beg anybody. Like, I, I know I'm not I'm not going to be desperate. And so I think you're in prime position. As long as Clemson is with you together, it makes the ACC strong. And Virginia's good. And, you know, and my University of Miami of Florida, you still have Florida State. I mean, there's these are time-tested programs in basketball, too. Remember, we got to carry it over in the other sports. So I think if you're the AD at Carolina, you continue to raise money, continue to build great facilities, and just know that you are the prettiest girl at the prom. Mm, I love that. I love that, Lombardi. I, and I love that it's a handshake deal right now because we can still, you know, at the end of the day, if the SEC comes with some ridiculously egregious offer and says we want to just combine the SEC and the ACC and make it the SCC, uh, the Southern Coastal Conference, we can always do that too. Yeah, I, I mean, and, and, and still keep the integrity of the – because, you know, you're going to want North Carolina to play Duke in basketball. Exactly. You, know, you, you don't want to get away from that. And I want to play state too. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, I, I don't want to lose any. I want to play Wake. I want to play state. I want to play North Carolina. I want to play Virginia. 
Uh, but I would love to play Tennessee and Kentucky and Georgia. You know, that would be fun too, because that's kind of. I think what separates it. I thought this last year, Tate Frazier, and you're the expert on college basketball, but I think Gonzaga, the fact that they play, I know everybody says, well, they play a tough preseason schedule. Well, your preseason schedule, none of those teams are really very good, no matter if they're named Kentucky or North Carolina. Yep. You know, you're always a little bit behind. I think what hurt Gonzaga was they didn't play a tough in season schedule to really toughen their team up Agreed. and learn more about their team. Yeah. Like learn more about how good their team is. And I think that once they got to the fight, they, they all of a sudden they're starting to play team. UCLA barely makes it in the tourney and they're playing them. And, and so, you know, and they, and they can't beat them, you know? Yeah. And, and so I think there's a battle tested that has to happen. And that's why, that's what makes the ACC in basketball and perhaps in football so good because every game is going to be bad. Look, you can say Duke's no good in football, but I can promise you with David Cutcliffe there, they're going to be well coached. They're going to execute. You're going to have a good, they might, you might beat them, but you got to earn it. Yeah. I mean, even beating Virginia has always been a, you know, that's well, a Bronco's tough Bronco's done a great job yeah. there. Mendenhall's done a great job with that program. It's not an easy, that's another, that's, that should be another desk and phone school. I mean, it's a beautiful campus at Charlottesville. It's great. Everybody's trying to get in there academically. Yep. And it's got, you know, now they needed to upgrade their facilities, but that should be a national power as well. Yeah, and that's the ACC. There's a lot of schools like that. I mean, even Georgia right. Tech. Georgia Tech has had great years in the past. You mentioned Miami. You mentioned Florida State. I mean, there. I mean, even like a Syracuse. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if Syracuse just somehow can like figure out their football program and start going for it. Because now all these schools know if we're going to make big money, if we're going to make the biggest money, we're going to have to play football at a high level. So they're that's all right. in, and and that's yeah. what's happening. I mean, Syracuse should. You know, the problem Syracuse has is. They have to always travel somewhere to get players. Yeah. They can get a little bit of North New York and the Northeast, but you always have to go somewhere else. And that always becomes a problem because what fans I don't think understand is central Florida can beat an ACC school on a kid. If the kid wants to stay home mm -hmm. and some of these kids, they like staying home because they don't, they want their parents to see them every week. Yep. And that, that also helps in recruiting. Uh, one thing I did want to ask you, Lombardi, just talking about the NFL, because, you know, that's your expertise, you know, being in that field, being in that realm. I wanted to ask you about North Carolina guys at the next level, because, you know, we, we have this in basketball, you know, we talk about it being a family and it's all very connected, but you know, you, you were with the Raiders with the likes of Ronald Curry. Um, you, you've seen a lot of North Carolina guys at the next level. What, what is it like dealing with North Carolina football players? Is there a uniform thing about them that, that kind of strings together or you've just had, you know, separate experiences with certain guys that you're like, that, that, that's my guy. I know you love Ronald Curry. That's why I, had to I love him. Ronald Curry to death. I mean, Ronald Curry, we picked Ronald Curry off the, remember the old, parade all americans that magazine they used to have in the sunday paper yep ronald was a parade all american obviously and you know he didn't have the great football career we picked him in the seventh round really he really wanted to play receive what and we turned him into a receiver and if it wasn't for his two achille injuries i think he would have been a really i mean we paid him well to yep. be a receiver to stay at the raiders he was there I, for I mean, a good amount of time he yeah. was a really a good great hands I think the difference is, I, I think the one thing, I, I don't know today's North Carolina players, but the ones that I, the Tim Goads, the guys that I've been around, always tough-minded and always love football. Mm. You know, I think that's part of the, the the culture that you get with the certain kids from that area is there's a love of, there's a passion for football in the Carolinas. Mm. Well, and I'm curious to kind of extend that a little bit. It, it just the guys you were evaluating um, that were coached by Mac Brown, you know, probably a lot of from when he was at Texas, 
Do you feel like they had a, a certain, you know, distinguishing characteristic or, or a level of preparedness that maybe other guys didn't have when you were evaluating those type of players? Well, I mean, the Texas ones are always different because those kids are a little bit, I don't want to call them entitled, but they're, they're really highly recruited. I think at North Carolina, you get a little hungrier kid to get better only because, you know, now he's getting five stars all the time, but Texas is like, you know, I'm a Texas. And sometimes kids don't always understand there's a difference between coaching and criticism, right? So when you're coaching them, you know, you're trying to make them better and they think you're criticizing them and you've got to do a good job of separating that. And I think Mac being older, you know, kind of a grandfatherly figure, I don't think they take it as criticism. They take it as coaching. Mm. One more thing, Lombardi, I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, this could be NFL coach. This could be college coach. Uh, I always love this when I asked you who had to go on the lamb. Um, and obviously, you know, you're a big <laughs> Sopranos guy. Um, who who in, you know, the football sphere right now that are you worried about that that might need to go on the lamb? Uh, again, it could be an NFL coach. Well, I think Scott coach. Frost has got to go on the lamb. I mean, Scott Frost is one of those. Scott Frost is at one of those remember when schools. Yes, you see it Nebraska. more. In, you yep. see it more in basketball. Indiana's a remember when school, right? They, you know, they bring Mike Woodson in. They they remember when a time that they won, and they just want to keep repeating it. And so Nebraska never brings in fresh ideas or new approaches. They oh, we're going to get a Nebraska guy in here. Well, you know, I mean. Why just got to get the best guy? Why limited to just a Nebraska guy? I mean, we all are the same. You know, we all have the same. Once you're getting paid by, look, I'd be a Nebraska guy too if I got paid by him. Like it doesn't <laughs> have to really, you know, it matters that. So I think there, I think Zach Taylor's a, a, certainly, if I were Zach Taylor, I would not buy a house. I would rent at the Cincinnati Bengals because I don't think yeah. he's, I think it's a hard job for him. I think he got promoted way too quick. Well, can I ask you about that quickly? Just the the Sean McVay coaching tree. I mean, how? I mean, it feels like every coach that gets hired, it was like a former assistant of Sean McVay. Well, I mean, I because, feel bad for I mean, Sean McVay. He's giving all the. I mean, obviously, away. you blame the guys that are getting hired. How about blame the interview process? True. Like, I mean, Matt Lafleur has won twenty six games in his NFL career, and he was one of the worst offensive coordinators at Tennessee before he got the job. Now <laughs> you say, well, Lombardi, he's won twenty six games in his NFL as a head coach. Well, you see that guy number Aaron Rodgers. I think he had a lot more to do with it than than, than Matt Lafleur. Yeah, and that's so how it you, works. You you've left us. This is I'm in so, so much more of an optimistic place. I didn't think I could get any more optimistic about Carolina's future until we've spoken <laughs> to you. Now you've taken it to a whole new level. So, my my last one for you is that let's say this season goes according to plan and we beat we let's say we meet Clemson in the title game and beat them there. And you're you're already saying Carolina's a desk and phone school. It should be easy to recruit here. Like, how quickly could the balance of power in the conference flip? Like, how? Like, I guess I'd ask it this way: How how quickly does Dabo Swinney start getting nervous about? Oh, I mean, we're already losing guys on the fringe to, to Carolina. This this the whole conference could. You know, they. I don't think. I think the last time that Clemson did not win the conference was maybe 2014 with Florida State. Like, do they start getting worried if they lose this year to us? Oh, I think they're already worried. I think they have to be worried. If I was, if I was Dabo, I'd be worried because you know you, you're basically you're you're a sleeping giant, and Max woken it up, and nobody, everybody wants to kept North Carolina sleeping. They wanted to hire the the guys that maybe couldn't handle the job. You know, Larry Fedora is going to run this offense. I mean, seriously, you know, you're a brand. You know, you don't need to hire an offense. You need to you need somebody who's promote the brand. And, and I think there's a difference. So, yeah, I, I think Dabo's already worried because he knows the campus. He knows the school. He knows the recruiting area and he knows the tradition and he knows that kids are going to want to go there. And, you know, and he knows that 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 that's always going to be a problem. I mean, they want they always want somebody at North Carolina that's not maybe up for the job. 
you know, mm. and I think if you're North Carolina, you got to make sure you have a really strong list of coaches, not necessarily who was on the assistant staff, but a good coach who, you know, is a proven winner that can come in because like Mac has done, you get somebody who knows what they're doing. They're going to win, whether they're North Carolina blood or not. I already got a name. It's uh, Lincoln Ooh. Riley, Lincoln Riley. I, if I were, you know, I know it'd be probably hard to get Lincoln out of there. No, but, I'm just saying if we, if, if Lincoln kind of tapers off, kind of like what Mac did to Texas, you know, it's kind of yeah. like he has, he has like a, you I'll know, give you a name. Year. Yeah. Wide receiver coach of the Patriots, Mick Lombardi. He'd be a great oh, coach. Oh, that'd be a great hire. That'd be then, my I would, guy. I, then I would be the recruiting coordinator for free. <laughs> <laughs> I like that deal. That's a good package deal. Let's just, <laughs> let's sign up for that right now. Yeah. Oh yeah. man. That's he'd have to best. negotiate the contract with his mother, but I'm sure he'd go. Sure he'd go. I mean, I, I think it sounds great. Well, Lombardi, we could literally talk to you all day about Carolina football and football in general, but we appreciate you coming on Anytime. the first episode of Football School. We would love to have you back. Uh, Anytime, we, we, Tate we, Frazier. We need your insight. And, uh, again, it is uh, GM Shuffle. Go subscribe. Go follow. The Daily Coach, same thing. Uh, and Michael he, Lombardi. And I'm on Beeson every day. From Houston. Today's my day off. I'm on 12 to 2 on Beeson, Vegas Stats and Information Network, which is the way to get – we'll be talking North Carolina football every Saturday. Uh, if you ever need me, Lombardi, I'm there. Charlie's there as well. We'll we'll talk about right football. Uh, we day. will. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you, Lombardi. All right, and we're back. Uh, thank you to Mike Lombardi. Lombardi always dropping gems, uh, always letting us know what's going on in the football world. Also, probably uh, always dropping in Goodfellas references uh, or Sopranos references, uh, any chance you can get. So I'm sure that you enjoyed that as well. Uh, but Charlie, let's keep this thing going. We got to get back on uh, on the train here, the Carolina football train, and we want to introduce uh, one of our favorite segments that we haven't even done yet, but we're very excited about. It's called Ram of the Week, uh, and it is not brought to you by Dodge. Uh, it is brought to you by. The, hey, wait, wait a second. Could be brought to you by Dodge. <laughs> Dodge. I'll tell you what, if you have uh, two of your newest Ram models in yes. each of our driveways within a week, it is absolutely the Dodge Ram of the week. I do think if if we're football guys, if we're college football guys, we should have trucks. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that does in L.A. That's the thing that they do. I live in Los Angeles, and a lot of the Manhattan Beach crowd like to to show that they are you know so and so a tough guy. They get trucks, and you're like, you can never make it in North Carolina. But I like uh, yeah, the, I, I, the I truck in, says you could. <laughs> Yeah, I, I live in Durham, North Carolina, and I drive a 2014 Prius, and I, I think I'd fit in a lot better if I had a, a brand-new Dodge Ram. So, Dodge, anytime you want to bring it by, I'm here. Let's go. Ram of the week. Uh, so, basically, this is going to be a watch list. We're going to – after the games, we're going to reconvene. We're going to, you know, obviously recap the games together, and we're going to give our Ram of the week, you know, based on who plays well. It could be, you know, Josh Downs' is an amazing game, Ram of the week. Sam Howell, of course, our Heisman candidate, has – you know, a great game, Ram of the Week. Uh, but let's just do our watch list as we go into week one because, again, we have nothing but practice tape. You and I are on the message boards. You and I are keeping up with the practices. But we're not going to go and dive that deep because we don't have that much time. Uh, but let's do our Ram of the Week uh, watch list. Uh, number one on the list, right? It's got to be Sam Howell. Let's just start there, Charlie. What are your thoughts on Sam Howell, and how excited are you to see him get this thing kicked off? Yeah, so, I mean, I think we got a nice little list here of guys that, and again, Ram of the Week criteria can be a little bit of everything. everything. It's not just based on stats. You know, like we have some guys, like you mentioned Josh Downs. Like, Josh Downs might have been my Ram of the Week after the bowl game last year, the Orange yes. Bowl, for doing the thumbs down, anti-gigum, I, I think. I yes. like. We no, can I go mean, all. as the Mets, the Mets have taken this Javi Baez, you know, this was all in the news because he was yeah. giving thumbs downs to the Mets fans and the Mets fans were upset about this. And they're like, well, well, we can boo you, but you can't thumbs down us. But I, all I could think the whole time was that Josh Downs did it first. You know what I mean? Josh Downs did it first. 
Josh Downs did it first. And, and just as, <laughs> as a whole other aside, like if your dumb school has a dumb hand signal, yes. you cannot get mad when we mock your hand we signal. We also killed the U, by the way, last year. We killed, we, we double killed the U. Marquise Williams and Sam Howe. Yes. Two, two of, you know, greatest Carolina quarterbacks in history. Both hit the U down. Gotta love that. Yeah. We had Josh Josh Downs with the anti-gigum, gigum down. I don't know, whatever. I, also, it's odd. All these Texas schools seem to have hand motions. But anyway, <laughs> that that that's that's for another podcast. But so starting at the top with with, with Sam Howe, I think that, that that's obvious one. He's, he's, he's on the Heisman short list. Uh, the, the guy has been a machine. I mean, I think he needs uh, – I was looking at the, at, the, at the career pass yardage numbers. Like, he's like at probably – I want to say 60 it, it, it's going it's going to be very easy for him even in only 3 seasons to break TJ Yates's uh North Carolina record I, I, for most He has to break that record. He has to break he that must. record. He must. He must. We love uh, TJ Yates and, <laughs> and people forget that TJ Yates won the Texans first playoff game in franchise history. We have to point that out. TJ Yates won the first playoff game for the Houston Texans, um but he also cannot be the best quarterback we've ever had at our program. So Sam Howell, please take the throne. Um, Mitch Trubisky was great for us going number two, but obviously going to the bears was not great. Um, I'm excited for his career with the bills. So Mitch and Sam Howe and, and Drake may in the future, those are right. our three starting quarterbacks in the NFL. I feel like those are our guys. And, and so I thought to go back to that same ACC network road trip, uh, episode, it was interesting hearing Bubba Cunningham talk about how, and I don't know if he was talking about Carolina specifically or like just his whole experience, but he's like, We've never had a bigger kind of onslaught of preseason attention for one of our athletes than we have with Sam Howe this season with the Heisman. Yeah. And so, I mean, that, that's and that that comes with the territory, obviously. But I think that says a lot about, um, you know, I, I I think there are a lot of guys maybe that gets in your head, maybe that kind of messes with the way you play. I think Sam is just seems to be one of those guys that's going to keep it even keel regardless. Uh, that that is, you know, I, if, if you're saying Charlie. You have to pick out a concern here. It's going to be that he was so good in on-field performance freshman and sophomore year, um, but he was always – you hear people say he's one of those lead-by-example guys. It's like, can you go into an upperclassman sort of setting and probably your last upperclassman year because you're going to go top five in the draft in the next spring. Yeah. Like, can, can you start being more of a vocal leader, and is the team relying on you to do that? And so I got no worries about him on the field. we got the whole line back to block for him. The running back situation is obviously a question mark, and, yep. but people say the wide receivers are question mark, and I've got no question marks there. I love the stable <laughs> wide receivers we have. So I think <laughs> Sam is obviously Sam, – Sam's the face of the program right now, and, and we're expecting a big year from him. Yeah, and Sam is one of those guys where, I mean, you could you know bring up all the stats. You could show me your, your yards per completion, and it's over seven, and it's like, yeah, that checks out. But, like, Sam is, is a game manager, and I say that not like uh, Andy Dalton game manager. Like, Sam knows how to play football. He knows time and score. He knows – how to, you know, when to make the throw on second down, you know, to, to audible out of a run. He knows how to do things football-wise. And I think Longo and him, they're kind of connected in a, in a very unique way. So I have a lot of um, belief in him. But like you said, you know, there when you have all the accolades, it's really hard. Like we saw it with Marcus Page. We saw it with the 2018 Carolina basketball team. Not to make it about Carolina basketball, but when you come back and you have – all the eyes on you, you're the defending champs or you're this Heisman nominee or if you're Marcus Page and you're supposed to be the national player of the year, it's a little bit different. You know, the 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 light is a little bit different. And when it's all on you and you have to lead by example and you're also supposed to perform at this elite level with all the pressure on you, it can be different. I do think that Sam is wired 
differently. I think he is a, a unique kid in that way and in a, in a very special type of way. And I do think that he can handle it. And I, and I, and the reason why he's nominated for Ram of the week for me uh, is going back to August. And I know a lot of people are like, what do you mean going back to, or sorry, going back to April, uh, you know, and he had a tweet. This is during the spring game, uh, big cat, uh, a friend of the show, uh, a guy that we all know in the media sphere uh, said, you know, I, he tweeted at me. I'm a big Sam, fa- Sam Howe fan, uh, but question wait. And then Sam Howe, you know, this is, what you like to see out of your leaders, you know, on Twitter, he quote tweets this and said, big, big, big cat fan, uh, wait, question mark, you know, at me. And, uh, he goes right back at you. He's not afraid of the fire. Um, I know that's a stupid Twitter, you know, example no. of this, but, but, but in the football sphere, he's not afraid of it. And he wants to play Virginia tech on the road. You know what I mean? Like he wants the smoke. We saw it against South Carolina. We've seen it throughout his entire tenure. And you, you can't help but believe in him. So, I mean, he is my, if this is a watch list, he's my preseason Ram of the Week. I do believe in Sam Howe, and I'm, I'm excited to see him on the road. I, I, I am now rescinding my uh, question about his communication skills because yes. thank you so much for bringing that tweet back up to, to our attention. That is one <laughs> of my favorite things I've seen on Twitter. I uh, love seeing you tagging that. So, yeah, you know what? He's got he's got the game to trash talk Big Cat on Twitter. Yeah, uh, he's ready. He's ready for the spotlight. Uh, he's ready. He's ready for it. And and when you talk about the spotlight, I think that goes to I think you and I both agree his number one option, and uh, that is Josh Downs, who is our another spotlight player that we have in our Ram of the Week. And I mean, if, if you saw the offseason content, this guy is wearing sunglasses in his pictures. Um, he's, he's exactly what you want out of your top flight receiver. Uh, he's not afraid of the moment at all. And, you know, you lose Deami Brown, um, you know, you, you kind of have this quite, like you said, there are question marks, but if you look at the rest of, of, of the stable of wide receivers, we're going to be okay. We got speed. We got confidence. Uh, we, we got a quarterback in Sam Howell who's going to find guys and put them in the right position. And Bo Corrales is a guy who's going to miss more time than we expected. I hate to see that, but I still believe. Um, and what we have there, and especially with Josh Downs. Josh Downs, I mean, I, I love – I it cannot be understated or <laughs> overstated, rather. It cannot be overstated how much I love Josh Downs and everything yeah. about Josh Downs. Not just the fact that he's an elite receiver who stepped up after those guys left early and didn't play the bowl game, caught, caught some huge passes there, threw the thumbs down. Yep. This offseason has been amazing with all the social content, photos with shades <laughs> on. But I, I – you know, people kind of could look at that and say, oh, are we trending Diva here? Like, is this is he no. going to be upset? Like, every great team had one Diva wide receiver. And, and this is maybe – I'm probably setting the bar a little bit too low with this comparison here. But the Sam Howell-Josh Downs dynamic feels a lot like – uh, Johnny Manziel and Mike Evans when they shredded yeah. the SEC yeah. at AM for for it was, maybe it's that last year when they were at their most productive but those two guys like I just feel like Josh Downs is going to be he, and I think he's going to probably draw the focus away from maybe a lot of the other wide receivers who need to some time to kind of get their bearings and feel a little bit more confident. Diami's brother Choffrey Brown, right? He he's the other one that we got to watch yeah. out for because Choffrey Choffrey's a Ch- beast. Everyone says Choffrey's like more talented than Diami was. So I mean, <laughs> you, you go look at Diami's numbers, and you tell me that's that's a great you know guy to have on your roster. But yeah, I mean, bummer. it's a real bummer that that Bo Corral is going to miss some time. We don't know how much time. 
But then we also there are other experienced guys on on this roster like Emory Simmons, Antoine yep. Green. I love Simmons. He, Simmons is a nice possession Simmons. receiver. You know, kind of can bail Sam out, and he might have some of those games where he's our lead receiver. He has like a hundred, hundred totally. plus yards. Yeah, exactly. This is another so so Tate's brother Gil is great source of information, uh, which is, read that as as me saying he my brother should be doing my job. You know what I mean? Like he, <laughs> he really should be. He he's he's always more locked in. Like I call him to check in, and he's like, "You said this, and, I, and this is actually what happened." And I'm like, I'm like, it was the Great Alaskan Shootout in what year? He's like, it was '97, not '98. I'm like, okay, thanks. Thanks. So yeah, so that, that's this is not the last we'll hear of Gil on this show. We'll, Gil, Gil will be on here in some way, shape, or form soon. But we'll he was force saying, him on here. Yeah, exactly. We'll force him on here. But he's, he was saying that Simmons, from all reports, is that not only has he been a great possession receiver and maybe the most sure hand of all those guys in that core, but that his he was one of the fastest receivers we had this preseason. Which to me, that's crazy. A, a, a fast possession receiver. Like I, I think that we're maybe kind of overlooking some talent we had there. Like I, I just think that like Tyler that, Lockett. You know what I mean? That it gives me that kind of vibe. Yeah, like you, you lose the two marquee guys, but maybe the the full core or the full unit might be better overall. So, so yeah, so this is this started with with Josh Downs, and and we love Josh Downs, and he's definitely a Ram of the Week watch list for yeah. all of his annex. Josh but. Josh Downs's last post on Instagram, not to bring everything back to social media, but I think it does, especially for kids these days. You know, it's a it's a nice like lens into where their mind is, and it's a picture of him and Chaffee Brown, one one one. You don't call nine one one when you need something to happen on this team. You call one one one. Um, and he says in his caption, "Ain't saying too much. Just know we coming." And, and, that, mean, and, and that you don't like, gotta that, say anything else. That's that's the level of diva that I like. You know, we're not saying too it. much, but just know we're coming. So we're going. We'll, we'll see you on Friday. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see you on Friday. You'll see us on Friday. Um, we love Josh Downs. That's good news. So, and so, so the the next guy I have on this little kind of short list here is one that this this is. I mean, not that we uh, obviously we, we know the name. And, you know, we were excited about when he came, when he came in, but we had no idea w- what position he was going to end up in, you know, wh- what type of impact he's going to make on the team. So Caleb Hood, a guy who was recruited as an athlete, was a quarterback in high school, never played the running back position. Yep. I was reading Phil Steele's preview, uh, not even on Phil Steele's depth chart, and that's not a knock on Phil Steele because, you know, <laughs> how could he have known? But he is listed head and this week. He should have listened to football Tech. school. He would he would have known. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Retroactive. He should have taken a time machine. But listed is number two on the depth chart for the Virginia Tech game. So Love some it. people might say, okay, that's a commentary on the fact that other running backs haven't stepped up. I mean, for me, as a guy who who enrolled early and did the work and and got that far up the depth chart, I think there's a ton of promise there. And I also think that the line's so good that you know, maybe there isn't going to be a ton of pressure on these guys to be super and, productive out of the game. I was going to say, we're a run-blocking line, you know, at the end of the day. We, we expected to have Javante behind this line, and Javante's now going to start for the Denver Broncos. So, I mean, that says something about his talent level. And then I think you're right. I mean, I I, I could understand the uh, reservations, but after we saw the bowl game, you know, British Brooks – I mean, these guys are these are these are viable options, right? They're They're suitable. They're fine. They're whatever you want to call it. But they're not going to be a Javante or a Michael Carter like we had last year. And I like Chandler. I think Chandler's like a nice, you know, we bring him in from Tennessee. They've 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 seemed to to like what he seems to be the number one running back. It's kind of de facto. It's going to be his job. But I like Caleb Hood. I like that he played quarterback in high school. I like that he is this kind of versatile athlete. I mean, and we've tried weird stuff in our backfield before. I mean, we had Greg Little as our running back at one point in North Carolina. You know what I mean? Yeah. We, we're not was afraid. It, I mean, think about uh, AJ Blue was the same way. Was he a, not? AJ he Blue was, was the yeah, exact yeah. same way. And John Shoup, all he wanted to run was those jet sweeps. So I mean, we <laughs> okay. had like we had like fifteen 
running backs at that point. Okay, so. I, I'm putting a ban on talking about John Shoup Jet Sweeps on this podcast <laughs> yeah, because yeah, yeah. I'm gonna, get rid of tr- I just got triggered so hard. <laughs> I, I can't I can't even begin to tell you. The, the, the worst part about his Jet Sweeps is that like one of them actually like one of his play action rollouts actually worked in that LSU game the 97 yard touchdown to Jeremy Boyd that was yes. it, that was the one time it worked and then he spent the rest of his we, time there just trying to I run think that we same turned play. to each other I think we turned to each other and said that was the worst possible thing he could have happened because now all we're going to get this season are jet sweeps <laughs> he loved it John Shoup okay well okay so you said something there so I'm going to jump ahead a little bit on this list yeah, because yeah, I'm please. fired up about these two guys if you are an ACC defensive lineman who lines up on the left side of the ball. Mm. Good luck to you this season because yeah. let me read you some stats about my boys. Marcus <laughs> McKeithen, who plays right guard. Jordan yeah. Tucker, who plays right tackle. Marcus McKeithen is just shy of 6'7", 335. And Jordan Tucker is 6'6 and a half, 340. Mm. I mean... I like I could run for three and a half to carry behind those guys. Are you kidding me? Like those guys are yeah, so... just fall forward after they get their first push. You know what I mean? That's pretty much it. So I, I think we don't talk about the linemen as much as we should. I, I know maybe within North Carolina circles, we're all excited this year because we're returning the full unit, which is amazing. But those two guys specifically, I'm excited to see them just pancaking people yeah. this season because because I mean it, I mean we already know that they're they're great players and, and they have accolades to back that up. But just the the sheer size of those guys, I mean it's it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch those two block. Yeah, I have like an affinity for anyone that plays in North Carolina named Jordan and. And, uh, you know, so Jordan Tucker's like always been one of those guys that I'm I'm, I'm a fan of. And when we first saw Marcus, uh, I guess it was two years ago now, when we first saw him like go out on the line, we were like, man, th- like we look like a legit O-line right now. <laughs> like that, that our right side looks short up. Um, and that that is the I mean, in reality, to win in college football, we know this to win at the highest level. It's all about the trenches as stupid and cliche as that is. I mean, it's about your D-line. I'm very excited about, you know, Keyshawn Silver. I'm very excited to see what this D-line can really look like, how they can really tee off on guys. I love the Fox brothers. Um, and and they have a lot of hype on their side. The O-line, I feel more confident in um, just because I've, I've seen them do it, especially run, running the ball. I think we have a real shot there. Um, but, but if we can have two lines that can can hold up and you know have this depth that we have currently you know i know mac brown said we only we've basically just had minor injuries so far in the preseason so he feels really good about where we are as a team and he's also talking about rotations on these lines you know especially defensive line he's like are we going to have a guy in for six snaps or is it eight snaps or is it 10 snaps because we have so much talent now we have to really figure out what our rotations are and what our game plan is and that's the only reason I have hesitations for week one is that I think we're going to be trying a lot of things. And when you're tinkering and you're playing a team like Virginia Tech, who's playing with a lot of motion at home in the first game of the season, it, it can it can spiral very quickly. So I hope that we're not tinkering too much and we get too cute and they expose us. Um, that That is like my... My big reservation with our D line, especially, but our O line too. I mean, if we if we can't hear calls from Sam because it's so loud, it's going to be a packed crowd. It's going to be the first time we've been in that experience in quite some time. But like, I, I still have faith that our O line is smart enough and is you know in sync enough to adjust and 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 to get things together. But it might take you know into the second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter before we start. Like we like what happened in South Carolina. We started out slow, and you just got to make sure that it doesn't you know, snowball where Virginia tech is up 21 to three or something like that. And we're really behind the eight ball. Um, but those are just well, my, those are just I, my I original mean, thoughts. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, we talk about the defensive line. Like you look at that 2019 loss to tech in Blacksburg six OT 
and broke my I was heart. at I was at that game. Um, my my wife is a Hokie, and Virginia Tech soccer playing Hokie. Yeah, she played for the women's soccer team. I think they they made it to the Sweet Sixteen. I I, I have I, I'll read her accolades some other episode, but, but she I think is her going, jersey's behind you. If you're, number twenty two. Choo choo justice. Choo choo, yeah, Amanda. Choo choo justice. Uh, but yeah, no, no. So that was, I, I, that was a blast being at that game, and I snuck down into the uh, Virginia Tech athletic section with her, and uh, I went up to to stand on the concourse when, in the third OT, Virginia Tech had a chance to win the game with a field goal, and then I heard a collective gasp, and I knew exactly what that meant. Came running back in, doing the Johnny Manziel money sign. So really, a bummer we did not win that game. But I, I think the reason why you know. You look at that game, kind of the common theme there was the defensive line just got worn down because there was no depth. And, yeah. and you know, Sturbridge and Crawford were amazing defensive linemen. But, you know, the amount of snaps you're asking them to play in a six-overtime game. Especially Strowbridge. Strowbridge was just like a one-man band at times. You're just like, you felt bad for him. I mean, he's like gas. And they weren't, they weren't even throwing the ball. They had their, their third-string yeah. quarterback in, Quincy Patterson. They were just running, you know, just you know, different types of run options, yeah. stuff like that. So, so you look at this team now and, and you know, no knock on the guys that have been here since the beginning of the Mac Brown era who have grinded, who have set great examples. Like the Fox brothers have been immense, right? But you're starting to kind of see the type of player that we're trying to get long-term, the Javari Ritzies, the Des Evans, where these guys are 6'5", 6'6". You know, we're talking about that Robert Quinn build, you know, yeah. 265, 285. They're starting that, to fill that, out. It's a championship nice. line. I mean, that's, that's what you're building, a championship line. And those guys are in depth right now. Yeah. So you're going no, they're, in there they're, and it's they're too like deep. Yeah, exactly. Two, three so deep. like I, I could not agree more with 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 the line, the the, the sort of the, the just the thought on the on both lines, like building there first, recruiting well there. That's going to be. I mean, look at any good program. That's where it, it begins and ends. And 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 so honestly, to kind of to play that forward, especially on the defensive side of the ball, in terms of the list we're looking at here, we're talking about depth. It is fun to read off those secondary names. Yeah. Boy, do we have a bunch of talent in the defensive backfield this year. Starting with Tony Grimes, who was fantastic last year. Should have been a high school senior last year. He, was locking he, down guys in the Orange Bowl. He's my favorite player on the team. Like, if, if I had to get a jersey, I would get my Tony Grimes jersey. Uh, not not that I'm like a fan of Grimes, the artist, but I, I'm a I'm a fan of Rude Boys, and I'm a fan of grimy plays on the back end. I mean, you, uh, you myself, my brother, uh, we, you know, we played intramural football. Like I was a safety, you know, like we, we, we like being on the backside of things. We like chirping a little bit. We like being rude. We love Dre Bly. We like, that is the era of Carolina football that I think I have just, uh, uh such a love for Charlie Brown, Kendrick Bernie, you know, all, all like what, a what an era like in general, when we were there at North Carolina, especially when you guys were there, I mean, on the back end, you know, I had like Trey Boston and stuff like that. So it was a little less rude and a more crude, uh, the crude boys, but, uh, you know, from, from, from the, from the jump, I mean, if you look at our secondary, it looks like what you want for North Carolina football. And we got some, we got some NFL talent and Tony Grimes is right up there and he's my favorite. He's the best. We, we had the distinct pleasure of while we were at school spending a fair amount of time with both Charlie Brown and Kendrick Bernie, two, two of my favorite human beings on the planet and also yeah. amazing defensive backs. And, uh, we, we were talking about this before the show, the, uh, the, one of those years we played Miami when they were calling Ja'Cory Harris birthday Ja'Cory because he was just throwing <laughs> up gifts, just throwing up gifts, just pick after pick. Yeah, just, um, just throwing out gifts as he was supposed to be the Heisman candidate that year. We just took yeah. it away. I think we had five picks in that game, four or five. It was insane. But I, that, to me, unless I've got the history wrong on this, was really the, the sort of genesis of the Rude Boys 
you know, sort of name for the for the secondary. And I just love how that's kind of made it through the years. And now Dre Bly, who uh, uh, another guy who I absolutely love, but the fact that he's been an amazing recruiter and he's kind of set the tone there and he's revived that Rude Boys brand, a big name. They're wearing shirts with it on it. Yeah. And, and, and you know, we're talking, we talked about Tony, but. Jaquarius Conley looks Conley's like Conley's amazing. Oh yeah. my lord, he looks like a beast right now. He's going to be he's moved to strong safety. He's going to be returning kicks. So I, you know, ton of upside there. And then you got guys Conley like Conley looks McMichael. like he should play on LSU. You know what I mean? Yes. But- yes. <laughs> yeah. And 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 what and there was some sort of scandal I remember on Inside Carolina with like knocking down his ranking at the last minute and lowering the grade of our class and and. So I don't know what sort of shenanigans went on there, but that man was a full five stars in, in my I mean, mind. And, absolutely, look at him now; he's a five star oh. guy. Yeah, and, and and then and then the rest of the guys: Kyler McMichael, Storm Duck, Don Chapman, Trey Morrison. Uh, here's here's another Gill. This is this is doesn't is the full Gill hot tip of the week. Yeah, um, we were going through some of these names because you know Gill knows everything about this, and we were talking about <laughs> certain guys that were kind of like two and three deep, and he's like, "Dude, I didn't even talk to him because I didn't want my opinion to be completely changed." <laughs> you know what I mean? He's probably listening. He's like, "Tay doesn't know anything about Carolina football this year," and I'm just laughing to myself <laughs> as I'm talking. Well, he's listening these days. I'm like, "There's just no way I'm gonna need to know any of this." But then he was like, "Dude, Giovanni Biggers, yeah, who is Trey Morrison's backup at free safety." It, according to Gill, there's a lot of talk about it. he might have been the best defensive back in terms of performance this entire preseason and could really challenge Trey Morrison for that job. So when you're looking through and you're seeing all these guys who you, – you look at the last two seasons, right? ton of injuries in the secondary both years. Yep. We still managed to hold it together and make it work. That means guys that are too deep like Day-Day Holmes or, you know, Cameron Kelly, you know, some of these other guys I haven't mentioned, you know, they were getting a ton of high-intensity reps. And so now the, the depth we have there – is amazing. And if we do get injuries, it's not going to matter. We can plug another guy in. So I yeah. think that, I mean, that's, that's probably the big headline across this team is that we're, we're, this is year three of the Mac Brown era. And we finally have depth, these positions. And, yeah. and that's, you, you, you need that to, 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 you need that to be a top 10 team in college football. And so here we are, we, we finally did it. And you also need like a quarterback on the defense. And I think we have that with Jeremiah Gimmel. I think he is basically the, if you want to call him the Sam Howell of our defense, he is the linebacker that's going to get any, everyone in place. He's going to get everyone lined up. He's going to be calling out, you know, the sets and the calls of the other team. Um, you know, Clemson's always had that guy. So, it, you know, it's good that we have Gimmel um, out there kind of playing that role. And then Eugene Asante, um, you know, there. I think you had said it in our little rundown that some people have said he's better than Chaz Surratt. And I, I love Chaz, but I, I think Chaz was always more of a safety in the way that he was built than a linebacker. Um, and, you know, he's been great special team so far with the Vikings. I'm very happy for Chaz. But Eugene Asante looks the part uh, more so of that linebacker that can really, you know, be like a Shaq Thompson on the Panthers for us. Um, and be a great outside linebacker. You know, pick running backs out of the backfield. Um, you know, just be able to, to hold up in coverage if he has to pick up a tight end or whoever it is. And Gimmel's great at just, like I said, setting everything up, um, you know, giving that extra effort, you know, trying to get that strip for the fumble. I mean, that's the other thing I like about this defense. They're trying to make plays. And, th- and that reminds me of, you know, those Butch Davis defenses. I mean, that was... Whenever Withers was there, Withers was basically like try to strip the ball every time. I mean, that, that's that's what we do. That's who we are. We're trying to we're trying to cause chaos. We're trying to force turnovers. And uh, you know, we have the talent and we have the ball skills. You know, from a guy like Tony Grimes or a Conley or a Santi or a Gimmel that you know they can read and make plays. And and our our defense, if we are struggling on offense with running the ball and keeping possession, I think our defense can get big plays for us. And that gives me even more hope. So. Even yeah. the D line, like tipping balls and things like that. Yeah. I mean, we're big. We're big again. I, 
I, I will forever have respect for a type of guy like Chad Surratt that is uh, recruited by a different coach mm-hmm. and for him at a different position and comes into play for a new guy and works his tail off, finds a spot, you know, a starting spot, and then becomes as good as he did in terms of the accolades he received in his time there. That's amazing. It, that it, would, been, it would be like if Mark Sanchez became a linebacker on the Jets and like, re, like, because I mean, Chad Surratt basically had the butt fumble of Carolina football. He had the over the head pass against Duke. That was an interception. Yes. I mean, that, that was the butt fumble yes. of our entire program. And then he came back as a linebacker and was amazing. Like that, that never happened. So good for him. Well, and so and so th- those guys are great success stories, and there are still I think guys in this roster that are maybe holdovers that are you know entering their senior year or you know their super senior year with COVID, but like. The, the Eugene Asante and, and some of these younger guys, and I, I, I don't even, I mean, Asante's a junior, so I could be wrong on the timing. He might have also been a Fedora recruit. But I, I, I like seeing some of the guys come in that are, they're better fits for, you know, the, the way that, that Mac wants to play and the yeah. way that Jay Bateman wants to play and, and that are, you know, kind of, you know, maybe more freakish athletes. And, you know, Gimbal, amazing leadership qualities. But seeing some of these other linebackers that have come in, you know, even the young guys, Ra-Ra Dilworth, Power Eccles, yep. just looking like even if they're, like, depth this year, they're just going to get better and better and they're going to, um, you know, like they're going to put their stamp on the program for years to come. So I, I'm, I'm really excited about just seeing Asante play in the Orange Bowl against AM and m and doing the job that he did. Yeah. I'm really fired up for him this year. So it's, it's, it's going to be it's gonna be good, man. And it's one of those things where, like, in, in the playoffs, you learn what a championship team, like in the NBA playoffs, you learn what a championship team is based on their second unit. You know, when the second unit comes in and they're able to kind of, like, hold or, or or you know make a run whatever it may be like in the ACC you know a lot of teams don't have that that depth that second unit that can come in and still make an impact and if our second unit is coming in and they're actually better than our first unit that's scary I mean that that's that is what uh, you know that's what Florida State that's does that's what Clemson, that's Clemson does stuff, you know what yeah. I mean like and and that throws teams off too because they're like I don't get a break you know I don't get a break when they're, they're starting D and goes out because the next guy that comes in might be better so that, that's what we're going towards. That's what we're aiming towards. And that's what Mac Brown can do. And like you said, we have to enjoy this period because if we do start winning at that level, then it doesn't get as fun because we're, we are expected to win. And right now we are in the, no one expects anything other than us. And, uh, and I kind of love that sweet spot. All right, Charlie, one more thing before we get out of here. We're going to talk about uh, the first game this Friday. We got Virginia Tech, uh, North Carolina going up to Virginia Tech. The Tar Heels are favored by five and a half. Uh, We know what it's like at Lane Stadium. We both have been there. I've been there too many times. I wish I hadn't been there so many times. Uh, I've seen the hokey pokey. I've seen the key play. Uh, You know, I've seen Inter Sandman. uh, But I think this Friday night, we're going to get a new version of that. It is Inter Sandman. uh, And that man is Sam Howell. And he's going to go into Blacksburg. And I hopefully... Hopefully get us a win. I'm not into predictions, but I do have a good faith going into this. But let's talk about this game quickly before we get out of here. We got Virginia Tech. You're going to be at this game, correct? I will be at this game. As mentioned before, my wife is a Hokie, so we are going to make the trip down together, and then we are going to split up, and we will not see each other until Saturday morning. Uh, and that is by design, absolutely. Uh, for anyone else who's going to make the trip down to Blacksburg, he'll hang out with Charlie. Game, yeah, yeah. He'll, he'll be the he'll be the Carolina guy doing the Johnny Manziel money sign. Uh, that's exactly yeah. right. I'll be doing that. And, and if I could recommend, I forget which end zone it's behind, but get a, a vanilla milkshake from the Virginia Tech Dairy Club. That is Ooh. quality, quality stuff. Uh, not better than Sutton's, though. Not better than Sutton's. Not better than Sutton's. <laughs> not better than Suns, but you're on the road. You need an alternative. So you get yourself a little turkey leg and a vanilla milkshake from the Dairy Club, and you're, you're set. Uh, and, and and you can also um, ironically jingle your keys at Tech fans. They'll really oh, enjoy that. that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think that this is obviously the last time we played. You know, Okay, so last year 
was probably like Miami game light, right? Like that was the big Javante and Michael game before they just destroyed Miami. Yes. Love seeing that. Um, and that was in Chapel Hill. And then 2019 was the 6 OT loss that we've, we've talked about before in this podcast. So um, I think you know what you're getting when you go to Blacksburg for a night game, inner Sandman, atmosphere, all that. <laughs> it's one of those ones that obviously feels nervy going in because your first game of the season, you're trying to figure out what your team's about. But I also... You know, for reasons that we just we heard earlier in the Mike Lombardi interview, like you want tests, you know, to figure out yeah. how good your team is. And, and when you overcome those tests, you are a better team for it and you can play better the rest of the season because you put yourself in those positions. So I like this game as an opener and I, I think it'll be a close one. But honestly, I, I don't think it's going to be as close as five and a half. Like, I just think that the defensive depth is such a huge helper. If Virginia Tech's got their own, you know, issues to sort out on on offense you know they've had a quarterback carousel the last couple years so i just think that the depth there is really going to kind of stymie them and i don't think we're going to put up a bunch of points in this game but i do think the pass attack is going to look good get some looks so i am in the business of predictions because who cares Uh, so yeah i'm gonna go (laughs) i'm gonna go i want to i want to i want to predict a 50 burger but i gotta be a little more conservative i'm gonna go with a classic I'm gonna go 35 17 heels. Yeah, I in my head like, like that? In, yeah, I, in my head when I look at like the bottom line, you know, that's kind of how I judge these things. If it's UNC Hokies, like I see 38 17 Carolina. You know what I mean? And and in the first half we were down 17 to three, but then we came back and then we ended up just kind of going on a run and and we win 38 17. That's what I'm hoping for. I mean, knock on wood. Uh, please don't do the hokey pokey to uh to to put taboo on our team, uh, Virginia Tech fans, but. I feel pretty good. I, I I hope that that's how it works out. But again, if we do lose this game, we've had this trajectory before. Remember when we lost to South Carolina with Marquise Williams and we ended up going to ACC title game? We've lost the first game before um, and been able to ride it back. I think the last time that we won a home opener was like 1993 or something like that, North Carolina, an actual true road opener. Um, so it, it, it we, we're trying to make history as a program by winning this game. But uh, I do have faith. I, I, I like the prediction. I think it sounds good. I mean, we are. If there is a a coach and a current uh, version of this program to to make history and do something that hasn't been done before, we talked about it off the top of the show. We'll talk about it here. Like this is Mac Brown and Sam Howell are the guys to do it. So yes. I, I feel good about this one. And and you know, as as we should going into the first game of the season. And I I think you know I think maybe we get maybe look out for how is Josh Downs going to troll the tech fans? Cause I think yeah. he's got something. He's got, he's something. gotta have something. He's going to do the hokey pokey. I mean, I, I, I keep bringing up the hokey pokey cause I feel like Josh Downs yeah. is going to do it. And we're going to have to, we got to all pay attention when it happens. Cause it's going to be a beautiful moment. Uh, <laughs> that's our, that's our that. keys to the game. Keys yes. to the game. Look for Josh Downs to do something <laughs> trolly that we're all going to love and enjoy. So exactly. and find me and have a milkshake. So absolutely get a vanilla milkshake with Charlie, eat a Turkey leg, uh, pull for the Tar Heels. This has been the first episode of Football School. Uh, I had a great time, Charlie. This has been a lot of fun. Again, we're going to do this all season, uh, you know, throughout the entire Carolina football season. If we have to pivot to a women's soccer team, uh, a soccer podcast, which which would be football school, we can do that. Uh, I want to thank Mike Lombardi again for coming on the show. We're going to have him come back uh, throughout the season to give us an update on what he's seeing with Carolina football. Uh, Charlie, anything else before we get out of here? Yeah, I, I'm so glad you asked. I just have two things. I just want to say, remember... It's a four-year decision, yes. not a four-year decision. Yes. And I want you to go out this week and be the one. Be the one, everybody. Uh, we will see you next week. This has been Football School. Let's go Tar Heels. Hey.